Welcome to Perfectly Imperfect, a podcast on mental health for folks of color. I'm your host, John Zell Anderson, licensed professional counselor. I'm the owner of Panoramic Counseling, where I specialize in treating teens and young adults in Richmond, Virginia, and throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia through online counseling. Let's get into the show. Hello, everyone. I am excited to bring you the final episode of this review that I've been doing on Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. If you've been following the series, uh, the first episode was talking about how not all intelligence is equal. Episode two covered some of the problems that people tend to have with money. The last episode was about some misconceptions and miseducation that we have about money. And then this final episode, as promised, is going to be called Getting Out of the Rat Race. And basically, that's getting out of the the, the problems and the, the snags that a lot of people hit with money. So uh, before I get into this episode, I want to share a little bit of an unrelated story. So... I actually had a consultation with uh, one of the uh, folks over at Alitu, which is a sponsor of this uh, episode, and we were just chatting about, you know, some ways for me to, you know, work through some bugs of my podcast and to make things a little bit more efficient for producing these episodes. And through that discussion, I came to a sort of ironic epiphany, if you will. So my podcast is called Perfectly Imperfect, a podcast on mental health for folks of color, right? And I love that term perfectly imperfect because it's nuanced, but it also shows that you can be a whole person even if you're not perfect. And as I was talking with the consultant about how I edit my podcast, she had brought to my attention how I put a lot of edits on my episodes. And though you don't get to see the back end of stuff, when I'm editing my podcast, the majority of the time I'm spending is taking out those filler words like um. So as as a person talks, they usually have some filler words. Mine happens to be um. So I'm in the middle of the third season of this podcast and Pretty much every episode you've ever heard has been modified. Uh, Think of it as like a filter for sound, right? So I go in and I take out all of those filler words, the ums, right? And in my head, I'm doing that to remove insecurity that I have, right? So in my head, I built it up that if I'm putting out a podcast, it needs to be perfect. It needs to be polished. And the consultant brought to my attention that most people who listen to a podcast aren't thinking that much into it. You know, when we create something or when we put something out, we tend to think that everyone is looking at it as uh, closely and as judgmentally as we do. And so I thought that was really interesting. And upon having that conversation, I decided that I'm no longer going to spend 30 minutes to 45 minutes editing out all of the ums of each episode. So you probably won't notice, but I thought that was a good teachable moment because I'm calling perfectly imperfect, but I kind of need to practice what I preach, right? Um, Also, see, I just said um, and I'm not going to take that out. 
it will save me a lot of time in editing these episodes and I'll be able to enjoy the process a little bit more. I think I, I really enjoy the research part and the planning out the episodes and what I'm going to talk about. The part that frustrates me the most is going in and editing and listening and pausing and taking out those filler words. So I think that this is going to be more enjoyable for me. And according to the consultant, y'all probably won't even notice it. So I thought that was good to have a real person moment to show that all of us can, you know, gain awareness of something and continue to uh, make improvements and to embrace our imperfections. So getting into this final episode of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I'm going to share some quotes like I normally do. And then I'm going to kind of give some insights and I have a treat for y'all because this episode is called Getting Out of the Rat Race. Uh, So I'm going to share some insights about what the author gives on how to get out of ruts that we find ourselves in when it comes to money and debt and investing and things like that. But I actually spoke with a financial advisor from my bank last week, and they provided me a great resource that I'm going to share some of the insights from. So definitely stay tuned for that. So I'm going to hop in with these quotes, and we'll kind of just roll from there. Quote, most people work for everyone but themselves. They work first for the owners of the company, then for the government through taxes, and finally for the bank that owns their mortgage. When I say mind your own business, I mean to build and keep your asset column strong. Once a dollar goes into it, never let it come out. Think of it this way. Once a dollar goes into your asset column, it becomes your employee. The best thing about money is that it works 24 hours a day and can work for generations. Keep your day job, be a great hardworking employee, but keep building that asset column. Average Americans today work four to five months for the government just to cover their taxes. In my opinion, that is simply too long. The harder you work, the more you pay the government. That is why I believe that the idea of take from the rich backfired on the very people who voted it in. Every time people try to punish the rich, the rich don't simply comply. They react. They have the money, power, and intent to change things. They don't just sit there and voluntarily pay more taxes. Instead, they search for ways to minimize their tax burden. They hire smart attorneys and accountants and persuade politicians to change laws or create legal loopholes. They use their resources to affect change. If you work for money, you give the power to your employer. If money works for you, you keep the power and control it. Education is more valuable than money in the long run. Failure inspires winners, but failure defeats losers. When I decided to exit the rat race, it was simply a question of how can I afford to never work again? And my mind began to kick out answers and solutions. End quote. So as always, that is a compilation of quotes that I found relevant in this particular section of the book. So um, I'm going to let that stand where it is. If you've followed the first three episodes, you kind of understand some of the foundational principles that kind of get to that point. And so in the interest of 
being concise, but also to encourage the listeners on this topic of getting out of the rat race, I'm going to share a handout that the financial advisor gave me when I spoke with him last week. And I'm just going to give you the the eight bullet points of how to basically get out of the rat race. This uh, handout is called Get Your Money Right Checklist. Uh, and so these are not my original ideas. I'm literally reading off um, this worksheet. So, um, and, and I'll get into the application of this in a minute because not everyone's going to follow these steps in exact order. So here's the eight steps to basically get your money right or to get out of the rat race. So step one, start a crisis fund. It says, keep one month of expenses in liquid savings for true emergencies, like hospital bills, your roof caving in, or discounted Beyonce tickets. Okay, not that last one. Step two, get matched. Have an employer match your 401k or 403b. That's free money. Yes, free. If you have it, sign up. If you don't, no worries. Skip to the next step. Step three, protect yourself. Because you never know what might happen, you should have short and long-term disability coverage to protect yourself, just in case. Aim to replace 60% of your income before taxes. Step four, tackle high interest debt ASAP. Prioritize paying down any debt that has an interest rate of 7% or higher as soon as you humanly can, because those interest payments Yikes. Step five, stash away a freedom fund. Put away enough cash to cover you for at least three months. This will allow you the freedom to go or be let go from a job without the added financial stress. Step six, stockpile a retirement fund. Aim to save 15% of your income for retirement or whatever you can afford. Outside your employer-offered retirement, open an IRA, too. Hey, when it comes to retiring, time is your best friend, and everything helps. Step 7. Invest towards other long-term goals. Once you've got everything else covered, now you can think about those long-term dreams. A loft in a great neighborhood, paying for your kids' college. Investing can help you get there. Step 8. Chip away at low interest debt. Finally, if you have debt with an interest rate lower than 7%, which may be your student loans, just keep making the minimum payment, but don't pay more until you've completed the steps above. It's not worth it. So I've read verbatim off of this worksheet. I will try to find a way to, I guess, link this handout into the podcast, um, I don't know how successful I'll be with that, but if it is there, look in the show notes. But to kind of provide the application of this, when I spoke with the financial advisor, and I can just use myself as an example, I've actually completed the first four out of eight steps. So a crisis fund, uh, I have $1,000 in a savings account for emergencies, um, step two, get matched with a 401k doesn't apply to me because I'm self-employed. Uh, 
But I will say that I have maximized on other ways to, you know, um, either save or to, um, you know, get tax benefits. So, for example, because I'm self-employed, I can, uh, you know, write off like my health insurance and I can also, uh, because I have like a high deductible plan, I can get like a health savings account. And when I contribute to the health savings account, which can help pay for medications and things like that, I get to write that off as well. So I've used, by talking with my accountant, I've been able to find all of the kind of tax benefits and loopholes and stuff to save as much money as possible. Uh, I just don't qualify for a 401k because I'm self-employed, but we'll get to the how I'm investing for retirement later on in the next steps. So step three was protect yourself. So it's talking about getting short-term and long-term disability coverage. I have a short-term disability and a long-term disability uh, plan. And that will basically say I get into a bad car accident. I will be able to earn or the the insurance company will pay me a check so that my finances don't fall apart, right, uh, if I'm unable to work. So that's kind of like a, a safeguard, right? Until you're financially independent, you need to have something to protect that income so that you're not in the middle of a crisis. Um, and I it doesn't say it on the handout, but I would add the importance of getting life insurance. So if you have somebody that depends on you or, or your income, it's really important to have life insurance. Um, so I, I have a life insurance policy. Uh, and also, a lot of, you know, young parents, if you, if you get life insurance, the company usually lets you add a small policy for your children. Obviously, we don't want to think about our kids dying, but it's usually relatively inexpensive to add a policy for your children. I think Mine is like an extra $5 a month for my daughter. Um, and so, you know, things like life insurance um, and, of course, you know, you have your health insurance to protect yourself, but the short-term disability, all of those things are protecting you from financial ruin. So those are, step three is kind of make sure you have everything you need to protect yourself. Um, so step four, tackle high interest debt as soon as possible I've accomplished this step because I, uh, and I explained this in previous episodes, I bought a car in 2019, I paid it off uh, during the pause in student loan payments due to COVID, so I paid that off. As far as credit cards, I don't have any credit card debt. I use my credit card like a debit card, but I pay it off every week when I pay myself because it stresses me out to have the balance build up. And then I get the, the rewards points and I can use those to invest or, you know, whatever I want to do with them. But we'll get to that part in a minute. Um, but this step right here, I think, is the most difficult for a lot of the clients that I work with because a lot of people don't have these other s steps in place, right? So a crisis fund, something goes wrong, people don't have money and savings to you know, like I said, I have a thousand dollars in savings. Most people don't have that put away. Pe people don't have like a, a an emergency fund. So when something bad happens, they put it on the credit card. 
but they're already living paycheck to paycheck. So then what ends up happening is you carry that balance forward. Most credit cards have really high interest rates. So you're paying a premium to borrow that money and it, it gets people stuck in a rut. So that high interest debt, if you have it, that might be a car payment. It might be uh, credit card debt. I, I believe based on, you know, the clients I work with, a lot of people are carrying several thousand dollars in credit card debt over several years. And I, you know, I understand how you can get yourself into a situation and stuff like that. But when you prioritize, uh, because sometimes it's just like, oh, I'll make the minimum payment, whatever. The company that issues your credit card is making so much money off of you. The average credit card interest rate, I think, is over 20% uh, consumer credit card. And so, and that's annually. So you're paying a, a big chunk of the money that you borrowed over and over and over again as you pay it off very slowly. So that's why it's very important to tackle that high interest debt. Um, and so once you, you know, think about how these steps are being built together. So you start with a crisis fund. That's like if something goes wrong, you have that to fall back on instead of putting it on a credit card, right? And then, of course, you know, getting your, you know, matching set up with your 401k if it's available to you and getting your insurance in order is very important. But then tackle that high interest debt as soon as possible. These are all ways to get out of the rat race. So I've accomplished all of the first four steps. So let's go into step five. Step five is stash away a freedom fund. This is currently the step that I'm on. So it says basically put away enough cash to cover at least three months of expenses. I added that up and, you know, I basically added up my monthly bills and what that would cost. Like, say I can't see clients anymore, something bad happens, and I need to basically survive for three months without working, right? That number came to over $13,000, and so that's my current goal right now is to get that amount of money in a savings account, uh, preferably a high-yield savings account, so that you can earn some interest. Obviously, the interest rates are very low right now, so uh, your money's not really protected from inflation, but it's not a matter of this money could be invested. It's a matter of if something bad happens, you have the reserves to fall back on. I think a lot of people, it you know, if we look back at the past year, we had the COVID pandemic and uh, lots of layoffs and people losing their jobs. And it became a crisis because most people didn't even have like that minimum, you know, crisis fund to deal with a, a small hiccup or a missed paycheck. And so this freedom fund really does, in addition to having insurance and, you know, disability coverage and stuff like that, this is really a peace of mind. And I, I get the, the I'm sure listeners listening to this are saying like $13,000 sitting in a savings account. That's ridiculous. Well, and mind you, part of that figure I'm factoring in the costs that it takes to run my business. So that figure, that three months of expenses is going to look different for every person. But think of the peace of mind that you would have if you were to lose your job or something were to happen. 
you would have three months of your expenses covered. I think that that right there takes a lot of stress off of a person. And that's assuming, you know, you probably won't have to dip into the the freedom fund because if you have short-term and long-term disability insurance, right, in theory, like something bad does happen to you. Say you get into a bad car accident and you need to do physical therapy or something like that and you can't work. Hopefully that policy would kick in and you wouldn't really need to take too much out of that freedom fund. But it's just having these safeguards in place. So this whole episode is called getting out of the rat race. And so having that extra security of I have a three month buffer if something really bad happens. It's just having it in place. Hopefully you never have to use it, but it's there just in case. And so step six is stockpile a retirement fund. This is where after all your, you know, high interest debts are paid off, you've got a crisis fund, which is for me, a thousand dollars. And then your freedom fund, which is, you know, three months of expenses. I shared that my personal freedom fund would be the amount of over $13,000. And I'm working to build that up right now. But step six is stockpile a retirement fund. It suggests here to aim to put 15% of your income into retirement. So this is an addition to step two, where it says get matched on your 401k. This is an addition. So, you know, max out your 401k, match whatever your employer is going to give you, and then start stockpiling a retirement fund. A lot of young people, I'm in my 20s, a lot of young people aren't thinking about this because we have student loan debt, we have the cost of living and all of this other stuff, and it feels like paycheck to paycheck sometimes. But saving for retirement, as has been covered in the previous episodes of this, is a long game. And the reason that it's a long game is because we're young now, uh, if you're in your 20s, you know, listening to this. But it doesn't matter how old you are, it's never too late to start. Because eventually you're going to get old, and eventually you're not going to want to work anymore. And when you stop working, the money stops coming in. Um, You know, we can't rely on Social Security. If you look at the news, you know that that system is probably not going to be in place by the time we hit retirement age. So having money put away for retirement is very important. And the way that you would do that, the the handout here gives the recommendation of opening an IRA, which is an individual retirement account. I believe that's what that stands for. And aiming to put 15% of your income in there. And again, this may seem daunting for someone who lives paycheck to paycheck to be like, okay, well, 15 of every $100 I make goes to retirement, but your future self will thank you that you did that. And on top of that, you have the power of compound interest. If you're investing into a retirement account, it's potentially going into the stock market, into bonds and things like that. And there's lots of customizations where you can control for how much risk you're willing to take with your money and stuff like that. Uh, there's definitely a way to do it for everybody. That that money is growing as you're working. And so when you get to the end of your career, you have put aside the amount of money that you need to live out your golden years without having to worry about working. 
And that's just to have options. Some people don't want to retire, and that's fine, but you would have the flexibility to go on vacation whenever you want or to not work full-time. You know, stockpiling a retirement fund is kind of an insurance policy for the future you. So think about that. Step seven, invest towards other long-term goals. So this one is... Think about long-term goals. If, if it's to, you know, build a house for yourself or to uh, pay for your kid's college in cash, right? The This is the sort of stuff that you do after you've kind of set all of these other steps into place. And I'm going to talk about, when I get to the end of this list, I'm going to talk about how I've kind of switched up the order of some of these things to let you know that it's not set in stone. You don't have to follow it step by step. You can customize it. And so the final thing is chip away at low interest debt. This is, you know, in step four, it talks about get rid of any debt that's over 7% interest rate, which for most people, that's your credit cards and sometimes a car loan, depending on, you know, what sort of rate you got. But step eight is get rid of the low interest debt. For a lot of people, this is your house, your mortgage, uh, and there, there are other things that could have lower interest rates, such as student student loans. I think my student loans interest rate. You can hear my daughter playing in her room. She's uh, she likes to kick the door against the little door stopper, and it it's just her thing. So there's your ambiance. But back to this uh, chipping away at low interest debt, that's, you know, paying off your student loans, that's paying off your mortgage, things like that. So all of these steps, going back to what this worksheet is called, it's called Get Your Money Right Checklist, and this episode is about getting out of the rat race, right? All of these steps are to push you in a direction of financial freedom. In this book, Financial Freedom or Financial Independence is basically the ability to survive without working. Most people achieve this once they get to retirement, but you have to work in that direction in order to make that a reality. So with that being said, I explained how I've already accomplished steps one through four, and that's starting a crisis fund. The 401k doesn't apply to me because I work for myself protecting myself with insurance, I got that covered, and tackling high interest debt as soon as possible. So I've tackled all of those. So what I have left is steps five through eight, which is stash away a freedom fund, stockpile a retirement fund, invest towards other long-term goals, and then step eight is chip away at low interest debt. So I'm currently on step five. I am working towards getting that 13 thousand plus put into a savings account so that I have three months of expenses available should crisis hit, right? But at the same time, you know, if you look at this list and you think, well, I have to accomplish step five before I get to six, seven, or eight, it's customizable. So when I spoke with this financial advisor, I explained that following it one step at a time doesn't fit for my personality and the amount of anxiety that I have about certain things. So for example, my student loans, which have an interest rate under 7%, I wouldn't start getting to that until step eight, right? Uh, However, 
I'm kind of doing a little bit of all of these steps five through eight at the same time, but I'm prioritizing step five first, if that makes sense. So rather than completely focusing everything on step five of getting that three months of expenses, I'm I'm dabbling in the other steps as I go because it helps me to feel like I'm getting towards my goals at the pace that's comfortable for me. So yes, I'm putting most of my extra money into that freedom fund to have three months of expenses. However, I have already started a retirement fund. And that was before I kind of knew the order of priorities that I was going to go into. So I do have what's called a SEP IRA. And it stands for Self-Employed Individualized Retirement Account. And I mentioned this in previous episodes, because I'm self-employed, I can actually put 20% of what I make into a retirement fund, and that's a write-off. So I've started a retirement fund. I'm not at the point where I'm putting 20% of what I make into it yet, but it's something that started. And remember when I talked before about you know compound interest and things like that? That's a way for the money that I'm putting in it at 29 to grow exponentially by the time I reach retirement age. So I've kind of started that process, uh, and it's just something that's in motion, right? But the main goal is going to be getting that freedom fund together. Uh, Step seven is invest towards other long-term goals. So the one here that is most important to me, given that I had six figures of student loans when I finish my education is to make sure that my daughter, Maya Jane, doesn't have to go through that same stress. So recently, my wife and I opened what's called a 529 plan, and that's a way to save for college. Right now, we have it set where we put $100 in there every month, and that's an investment account where it will grow. She's only not even two years old yet, but $100 a month over the next 16 to 17 years, plus it's being invested in the stock market. So that's going to grow compound interest. So by the time she does go to college, she'll have a stockpile of money to get her started. Or hopefully my, my goal for her is that she's really bright and that she'll get tons of scholarships and things like that. But it's preparing for that long-term goal. Obviously, a college education is something that's important. So I'm preparing for that long-term goal, but I'm not waiting until I get to step seven to do that. I'm putting a certain amount of money aside each month to do that. And then finally, chip away at low interest debt. For me, this is my student loans, and I also have a mortgage. My mortgage interest rate is really, really low because of the housing market right now. Uh, We bought our house before the housing boom uh, that's been going on through 2020 and 2021, And so because the market has been so hot, we were able to refinance our mortgage on the house that we got a really good deal on before the pandemic, and we were able to get a lower interest rate. So I think when we refinance, we're saving like $20,000 over the, the mortgage term or whatever. So that is actually the lowest interest of what I have. But the thing I'm most concerned about is my student loans. I said it's 5.5% annual interest. And I ended school, I think I had like a, over 150000 in student loans, plus interest and stuff like that. It got even higher than that. But the interest was growing 
more than what I was making monthly payments on. It was a mess. So I've now got it down to like 113000 And if I was following all these steps, I would only be making minimum payments on this until I get that freedom fund and the retirement fund and, you know, all of those other steps in place. But I'm not doing that. So the way I'm doing is I'm my goal is to get my freedom fund put together and I'm leveraging the benefits of this COVID student loan pause 0% interest period, which ends at the end of January. So my goal is to get as much of that freedom fund put into that savings account by then as possible. But instead of just doing the minimum payments on my student loans, which I think I get from the when when I refinance, I think they give you like 30 years to pay it off. It's a ridiculous amount of time. And technically you get you're eligible for loan forgiveness at 20 years. And people sometimes just set it and forget it. Like they're like, oh, well, they'll forgive it after this certain amount of time. What you don't realize though is that by stretching out that money over a certain amount of time like that the lender is making more money off of you that way. So a lot of people are in situations where the interest on their student loans is growing faster than the payments they're making on it. So yeah, after 20 years of doing that, they'll forgive whatever is left. However, what they don't tell you is that you have to claim the amount that they wrote off uh, or forgave on your taxes. So the year that your loans are forgiven it looks like, you know, it, it counts as income. So say you make a salary of 45000 a year and they forgive your student loans a balance of, say, 90000 They're going to add 90000 to the 45000 that you made that year and you now owe tax on that full dollar amount. So it's like a balloon payment, but also outside of that balloon tax payment that you're going to have, you're paying for your education several times over in that 10 to 20 years that you're doing the minimum payment. So definitely, you know, look into, you know, Google debt payoff calculators and stuff. It's very informative. So definitely don't just get on a um, payment plan based on the lowest payment and think that your loan servicer is looking out in your best interest. They're definitely making a profit off of you taking your time paying it off. So for me personally, I'm not going to wait until I get steps five through uh, seven taken care of before I really start tackling. Obviously, I had, I think at the highest, it was like 168000 from my student loans because there was a period of time, probably like a year and a half, where it was growing faster than I was making the minimum payments on it. Um so I've obviously tackled a lot of it because I'm down to 113. But my personal goal, once the the forbearance ends because of COVID and payments resume in February, I'm going to I've I've done a, a debt calculator and I've got a monthly payment that I'm gonna try to stick to. It's very high, but I'm gonna try to keep with that for five years. And if I keep with that for five years, my $113,000 in student loans will be paid off in those five years. So that is that is a goal that I'm working on, and I've thrown it out of 
out of order. But for me, getting rid of those student loans is important to me because I don't want to keep paying interest and pay over and over again for my education. I want to get that behind me so that everything I earn moving forward is wealth building. So I hope that this series and this uh, this particular episode with some tips on how to get out of the rat race has been helpful. Um, I personally, you know, through reading this book and from then sharing the, the insights that I've gained with you, I've learned a lot. I hope that you've gotten something out of it. Uh, remember that you can leave a voice message to, you know, provide commentary on any episode. The link to do so is in the show notes. But um, yeah, thank you so much for listening and I will catch you next time. If you enjoyed this episode, you can support this podcast by buying me a coffee. The link is in this episode's show notes. Thanks in advance. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast, and best of all, it's free. They offer creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor also distributes your podcast, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, and many more. Did I mention that you can make money from your podcast no matter the size of your following? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today.